listening to Adjective New Music's podcast, Lexical Tones. I'm your host, Rob McClure. Intuitive, kinetic, iridescent. Cincinnati-based composer Daniel Harrison writes music that is recognizable for its poetic, melodic, and harmonic expressiveness. His works are characterized by uniquely striking combinations of instrumental colors and unfolding linear forms. His music has been internationally performed by numerous outstanding performers and ensembles such as members of Fifth House Ensemble, Del Sol String Quartet, Ictus Percussion Ensemble, All of the Above, the CCM Chorale, and Hypercube. He was recently named the Ohio Music Teachers Association Commission Composer for 2016, and his music has recently been performed at the Red Note Music Festival and the New Music on the Bayou Festival. All right, man. Well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. Good to see. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, good to see you again. Last time would have been at that uh, Code New Music uh, concert where they were playing yeah. your piece. Actually, um, just uh, just last actually a week ago, I recorded a podcast with Michael Rene Torres. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. It's, he's a really solid dude. I mean, yeah. really great player, great uh, great composer too. He's, he's double threat. Yeah, well, triple threat when you when you put in the you know managing a new starting and managing a new new music ensemble, but yeah, it's yeah. pretty cool. But anyway, that was a cool piece that you had code do. Cool. So the the pieces we're going to do tonight, as I understand it, um, all of them have a connection to Cincinnati, and you're you're a Cincinnati based yeah. composer. So mm-hmm. the one I want to start off with is Under the Sun for cool. Solo Tam Tam. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. Solo Tam Tam. Now, <laughs> I was a percussionist and I spent a lot of time around, you know, around, tam- you know, as a percussionist, you don't really get to play the Tam Tam all that often. And, you know, the basically it's only an, ever in orchestra. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's going to be in percussion ensemble and usually you're doing some weird shit to it. But... If it's an orchestra, you basically either hit it or roll on it, and that's it. Yep. So as a percussionist, you're kind of like, well, what else can this do? You know. So in oh, your yeah. in your downtime, you start messing messing around with it. And as I was one of those percussionists who liked to just mess around and see what was there, it's a really beautiful instrument. Oh, so. Nice. So for you, I mean, you're you do not have a percussion background, is that right? No, no, I um, I've <laughs> I've uh, played around with percussion instruments before. Of course, to have a percussionist come up and take the mallets away from me and go, you're just not doing it right. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> but it's it's funny. Please, my, uh, please let the professionals do it. <laughs> yeah, step step away. Just just write the page, and I'll I'll do the percussion stuff. <laughs> But um, I was really fortunate that the undergrad uh, that I went to at University of South Florida, their uh, percussion department and the composition department were like hand in hand, like always. Yeah. Yeah. So they would do readings with us. We would be encouraged to go sit in uh, when they had like master classes and stuff like that. Um, so there was a lot of percussion going on and I still write a lot of percussion music. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think the first piece you ever heard of mine was, uh, it was. the Charlotte. The yep. percussion duo. Yeah, it was. The piece with the flower pots, right? Yeah. Um, so for uh, Under the Sun, and I, uh, this was a piece that was commissioned by a good friend of mine, uh, Carlos Camacho, who is in Panama now. He was at 
uh, CCM for his DMA and percussion performance. And we've worked together uh, on a few pieces before. I mean, we've been good friends, go catch drinks after concerts. And he's just like, hey, you should write something for me. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And eventually it got to like, hey, I have this sponsorship with this symbol company and I got this really rad like Tam Tam. And what about writing me a piece for just Tam Tam? And um, after the, you know, a few dozen small miniature panic attack, panic attacks I had like (laughs) under the surface, I was like, yeah, dude, let's let's do it. Um, So it was a a year long collaborative process to get this piece off the ground because, of course, I um, we would workshop. He the first thing was we would get together and uh, he would go, hey, here's some mallet ideas. Here is some, you know different sounds on the body of the instrument. Here's it with, you know, uh, hard, soft, yarn, rubber, just all these different uh, different choices and different sounds in the palette. And I'm like, okay, cool. And of course, my first draft of it, he's like, all right, um, all this doesn't work. But, <laughs> but, but I think I know what you're going for. So what about this? Like, I remember the technique that I based the whole piece on was this muting idea on the Tam Tam, and it just mm-hmm. totally fell flat and just was, wasn't was happening. So um, after, like, a few workshops, I had, like, three or four where I would come in, bring in a sketch, and say, hey, what about this? What about this gradual change between, like, the button to the outer rim and back, and then sort of playing with the different sort of notational gradients around it, mm-hmm. kind of creating these different uh, shapes of sound. Um, and after you, a while, you say a button. Did, did it actually have a little bit of a raised part in the center? No, oh wait. You know, that's not the correct way to say it. It's just the middle. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's not the button. What would that be? It's not a raised center, but it was just uh, the, the center. The middle. <laughs> the middle. The center. <laughs> I mean, there might be a term for it, but uh, it's yeah. not coming to me right now. But there, but there are those, you know, there are those gongs, you mm. know, that have, that certainly have the raised. Actually, I was just talking about this last night with, uh, on another podcast um, with Jose Martinez about uh, uh, Tibetan, uh, tuned gongs that uh, I still call nipple gongs, but cause it literally looks like a nipple anyway. Anyway. Um, so yeah. it's, so it's just a tam tam. And so from the center out to the edge. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a, there's a huge, huge change in sound from, from oh, yeah. e- even just going like inches. It's a huge oh. change. Yeah. I was amazed by it. Cause I mean, like you were saying uh, earlier, like when you, or first introduced this instrument is just, okay, here's this pianissimo hit here. Here's a light roll, you know, just stuff to, um, bring out or accentuate something else that's happening. Yeah, it's atmosphere everyone. usually. Yeah. So, I mean, to have a piece where it's kind of by itself and kind of, you can explore, um, all the sounds that are available on this giant metal disc. I, um, I guess I was really attracted to the idea and doing it um, just with mallet choices and techniques and just acoustic. So, I mean, as you're as you're working on this and, you know, he's he's giving you these. Oh, well, here's this sound. Here's this sound. Are you, are you, you did you did you take a recorder in with you? Are you taking these sounds back and, and trying to work with them that way? Or are you just kind of keeping them in your head as you as you write new drafts? Yeah, I did bring a recorder and recorded the sounds. And uh, 
bring them back as sort of a reference point. Um, and we also in, in, um, in our meetings, uh, he's, he's a composer as well, so we worked on some notational prototypes as well to see how I can communicate this idea if it were to, you know, be played by someone else. You know, there's nothing worse than, you know, write, working on sort of a specific notation for someone, and then it gets in someone else's hands, and they go, I have no idea what you want from me. What? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we got to really work hand-in-hand, hand, um, and, and that's one of the great things with um, the pieces that uh, that we're going to feature are all these Cincinnati um, performers, people I went to school with, people I've collaborated before with, um, is that I've had the experience of working directly with them. And that's something that the further I get away from school, the more I guess I'm getting away from the whole like, you know, write a string quartet, send that thing out, write a solo piano piece, send that thing out. It does, actually, I'm getting more into working with people. Yeah, it doesn't, th- that kind of stuff, I don't know that it's ever made sense. I, I, actually, no, it, yeah, it's right when I was starting out as a composer, you know, I would do that, you know, oh, here's a, here's a piano quintet thing. And, <laughs> and it never goes anywhere, you know, but mm-hmm. the pieces you actually write for someone, they get performed, you know, it's yeah. so hard. It's so, so hard to just try and find the players for something you randomly cooked up because, you know, every, when you're going through school, your teachers are like, well, do you have a string quartet? No. Okay, write a string quartet. <laughs> Why don't do, you have an orchestra piece? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Do, do, you have, uh, do you have this? Well, write that. Do, do you have this yeah. ensemble? Duh, go write that ensemble. And um, it's, and the, for me personally, those are the pieces that have always, you know, been kind of one and done or two and, you know, two performances and done. Because, you know, if if you write something for a friend, a person, someone that you know, they're, they have so much more invested in that piece and they're oh, yeah. more likely to, you know, travel it around a bit. Oh yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, when you get to work with someone individually, I mean, you get to really highlight their, you know, their unique strengths, you know, like not every clarinetist is, you know, across the board, you know, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm not so good at. You know, mm-hmm. you'll have some players that, you know, and you want to make them shine. You really want to bring out their individuality when you're writing for them and kind of write to their strong suits. So going back to the notation you were talking about, how specific is the notation? Uh, you know, how how are you delineating kind of strike points and and different, different uh you know, techniques mm. on, on the instrument. Yeah. That, that took a few tries to <laughs> communicate this effectively. Um, the solution that we came up with was sort of this, um, three stave, um, not three stave, sorry, uh, just three bar sort of system where we're, we're talking about the outer rim, the, um, you know, the usual spot where you're playing between the rim and the middle, the center and the center, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny before I worked on this piece, um, I did not know that you're typically you're not supposed to play this the center, like when you're playing like orchestral music and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So it was like, well, why not? And he's like, well, I mean, it's because you it ha- each tam tam has their own sort of fundamental, and you could you know it could 
strike a sour note against this, you know, yeah, big B flat major chord, you know, or something like that. And you have have this jacked up B ish mm-hmm. note on, on top. The- of it. <laughs> so the center is kind of where the fundamental lives on a tam tam. So to to activate all of those upper partials, you kind of go in in between. Yeah, and and one thing I was I was thinking of is um. You know, with each of these tam-tams, I mean, obviously with Carlos, who worked, you know, on the tam-tam that he plays it on. Mm-hmm. But if this were to go to another player, that instrument's going to more than likely have a different fundamental, a different sort of sound to it. Well, a compl- yeah, a different fundamental, but also a completely different structure of uh, partials, you mm, know, com- yeah. completely different. So that and that's something I wanted to ask you about, like. He he really only had the one tam tam tam. Blah. He really only had the one tam tam in mind. He he didn't have any others to kind of try things out on or. No, the, what it was was he um, like he had this uh, sponsorship right. deal. I think Dream Symbols is the company. I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, and they he was able to order like you know hey, I want this and that and he ordered this. I don't know the specs on how big it was a decent size Tam Tam, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have the specs for you. Uh, and that's what we work from. You know, it's we kind of both got in the kitchen and had this piece of chicken and we we're like, well, how are we going to cook this chicken? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of interesting for you then if you, you know, when it when it does go to another player and they select, well, it's probably not going to be select. It's probably going to be, I have this available to me, you know, that, that is usually the way it is. Yeah. So, but when that happens, you know, it, like I said, it's going to be a completely different instrument. You're going to get completely different sounds out of it, but the piece will be kind of newly projected through that instrument mm. in a way. Yeah. So that, I mean that, you know, that's, that'll be cool. I love that idea. I am, you know, I mean, especially if you're, when you're writing for percussion instruments, they're not all going to be exactly the same or, you know, anything. And I genuinely love that. I love this idea of that I'm creating a structure of a piece and that it can mold and be different each time it's performed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same piece, but it's different. It's the interpretation of that performer doing it. Um, it's, it's sort of like when I was listening to some of your, uh, going back, listening through some of the podcasts and I, caught on the one that you did with Sky uh, McClay mm-hmm. and uh, she's talking about um, all these very cadential sort of Shankarian oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, like structural uh, ideas of form you know mm-hmm. and it's sort of like I, I, I really dig that idea but I love it in percussion that it's kind of you can apply that to the instruments themselves you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean the the fact that you know when a piece goes to a different percussionist it's going to be a, you know Unless it's pitched instruments, mm. um, but if it's non-pitched instruments, you, oh, I mean, that's that in a way has kind of been the bane of my existence. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Because I, because yeah. I the last couple pieces I've written for percussion have are, are percussion and computer, and it would be so much easier in my life if the if I wrote for this woodblock. Well, that's a, that's like the standard woodblock. You know, everyone has that woodblock, and I could just rec- I could just record that sound, and then you know, not have to do all this like extra stuff of 
like every time they play the piece they have to sample their instruments you know to get the sounds to get the sounds into the patch and so the patch recognizes that those are the sounds i'm playing with so it knows when to trigger off of oh it's just a pain in the ass (laughs) jesus it's a pain yeah, in the I, ass, but <laughs> oh, it's it's the worst. And I I think everyone has this experience while writing for percussion uh, with the pitch percussion thing. Like mm-hmm. I remember one of the first pieces I wrote in my masters, I wrote these very specific pitches of like I need five om glock and one is oh. like this D flat and this, and then <laughs> having oh, someone go look. Buddy. <laughs> we don't have those so yeah. i'm just gonna play those on the vibes <laughs> <laughs> and then you know you have to bite your lip and go okay <laughs> <laughs> not the same sound but okay <laughs> yeah 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 totally i was actually really lucky um in undergrad and i think uh my master's degree the percussion studio had them as well in undergrad we had three octaves of Almglocken. Oh my god. It was stu- we had a stupid amount of Almglocken. And it is a stupid amount of Almglocken. I mean and, and of course, you know, fully fully chromatic. So there was this idea that I had once that oh, well, maybe I should write this like, you know, almost mallet percussion oh, piece god. for Almglocken. <laughs> Luckily, it did it I I stopped it pretty much right there and it turned into a vibraphone trio but <laughs> that would have been the stupidest stupidest idea i've ever had <sighs> yeah that that piece it, like, doesn't have a lot of legs <laughs> and it, you know that's funny like you we talk about this omglocken thing um one of my last my last semester at ccm they put on a production of uh john adams um uh, el nino i want to say mm-hmm. i think um and that piece has two full octaves of omglocken in it oh my god <laughs> it's just like oh my i mean i guess you can get away with it you know if you're that dude but yeah all the rest of us of on the ground here you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think i think getting back to your piece um mm. i think it's interesting because as a listener at first the piece just starts off and you just kind of hear it as noise you know it's like oh my god this is what it's going to be for the whole like mm however long and i mean having having been to you know really weird electronic music festivals sometimes that's what it's going to be you know like Mm -hmm. i was i was in toronto uh last last summer and i listened to 30 minutes of someone grinding a metal saw on a metal saw like How, how did you feel afterwards were you transformed (sighs) <sighs> something happened <laughs> just play it i mean it was something any but anyway like that that thought does occur that oh this is just gonna be noise the whole time but it's interesting because you do like as a listener you do have a transformation because you start hearing hearing inside of the noise you know you start you start pulling out those partials and the and the beautiful things of the of the instrument you know, you start hearing the different regions of the instruments and the tone clusters that are coming from them. I mean, a- after a while, you kind of wrote a melody for Tam Tam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that's, it's, it's that's just, awesome. So. <laughs> yeah, it just started working out. I like that. It's bizarre, but like in some, in, I think it's one of our, our second or third se- um, sessions together, you know, um, 
that came up too is like this kind of has this is like melodic music for tam tam right weird (laughs) and like there's not too many you know precedents for solo tam tam music i mean i think the one that i found uh was uh was it having never written a note for percussion by uh was it james tenney i think could be i think so i mean stockhausen has that piece uh is it microphone? Yes. But I mean, that's all with electronics and microphones yeah, and everything. So, yeah, I don't I, I'm I'm sure there I'm sure there are other pieces out there, you know, mm-hmm. that are n- never going to see the light of day again. But <laughs> oh <my God>. yeah. <laughs> but I think what you did is pretty successful. So hopefully it, you know, it gets out there and all those percussionists that just happen to have a tam tam lying around. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing about this recording, too, uh, this is Carlos playing it at a um, sort of a send off concert for Al Ate, who is one of the, you know, percussion groups Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. guy's been in Cincinnati forever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he had a we had a concert at this brewery called Urban Artifact in Cincinnati. And it's great. The concert space is this like emptied out like giant church. That's so cool. I was so excited to have this piece be played in there and just like explore, like just shoot it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one ramification of it though, is that, I mean, on this lot, it's recording, it's a live recording. And I personally, I love live recordings. That's just me, but, um, you'll hear, uh, some birds. There was one bird yeah, that was outside that. the window that just wouldn't shut up. And, you know, my first <laughs> hearing, I was like, God damn bird. And then it like after second or third, I'm like, you know what? I actually really dig that. It's sort of, it's, uh, it's unique. It has sort of a personality. Yeah. Yeah, know, totally. Under the sun, as in you've tried everything <laughs> under the sun on Tam Tam. No, not everything. Trust oh, okay. Me. But, um, the title under the sun comes from, uh, this refrain that keeps coming back through the book of, uh, Ecclesiastes. And it's, I guess I sort of read it in a f- uh, two different ways. One, that all of the sounds you're hearing are coming from this one sounding body. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just very contained. This is it. Um, but that's not to be limiting. I mean, I'm trying to get as much as I can out of this one sounding body. But also, um, and this is maybe a little on nose, but I kept visioning the Tam Tam as this like big sun, this big radiating mm-hmm. thing. Um, and that's sort of, you know, the approach to the music. It's sort of, you know, what you first hear in the piece is it's pretty bright. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. Cool. So let's listen to it now. And the performer, his name again is? It's uh, Carlos Camacho. So this is Under the Sun.
So let's go to the next piece. This is Give Up the Ghost. And this is a Perot plus percussion ensemble. Um, so what's kind of driving this piece? I mean, there's a lot of downward or almost kind of gravitational motion in in the instruments. So what was kind of driving you forward as you wrote this? Yeah, this piece is... Um... It's an interesting one for me. It was uh, written between two thousand, the winter two thousand fifteen, into like the very beginning of two thousand sixteen. Um, as personally, a lot of stuff was changing. I was in my second year of DMA, and I was hating yourself. Kind of. Um, it's just, <laughs> I mean, nothing against you know. I have nothing bad to say about anyone. Full disclosure, I do not. But it just, I was realizing that musical academia, I mean, for all the time I'd been in, I was just like ready to be done. I just yeah. had to get away from it. And um, I mean, when I think it was about that time for me too, where I had a teacher, um, like I said, <laughs> it was this three student seminar. Like it was just three composers. It was like way upper level theory course. Mm-hmm. And we we were supposed to you know we had to read this thing we had to re- you, you know we had to read like 50 or 75 pages a week and then be, come in and discuss it and whatever <laughs> and, and and with only three people in the class if you don't do it it's pretty clear that you didn't do it oh i've been in that um, class <laughs> yeah 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 so that i mean the three of us are really good friends you know in the class and it's the 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 professor who is kind of the outsider here. So anyway, we read this like really, really dense thing on, on post-tonal, uh, uh, post-tonal prolongation and, and whatever. Oh, and boy. at some point, like Steve, my best friend is, you know, Oh yeah, I could totally see this blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, Steve, no, you can't. Oh my God. <laughs> what is the point here? You know, something, something like that. <laughs> and, and the professor just kind of like let it go in the moment, <laughs> but he like he went. Uh, he told me later he like he went home to his wife and he said, "I think Rob McClure is in the second year of his DMA because he seems to be <laughs> hating all music right now." <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and it, I mean that happens. You just kind of as much as you love music, and obviously you are there because you love music. Um, you kind of reach a point where it's like, I kind of need to get away from it for a while. You know, I yeah. need to, uh, you know, find my own work schedule. I mean, part of it, I mean, also the composition lessons every week. I mean, mm-hmm. I write a lot. And even for me, it was like every week I'm like, look, I don't have that much this week. I mean, I have some random sketches on a piece of paper and a bunch of thoughts, you know, scribbled, unfortunately mm-hmm. scribbled. Uh, <laughs> but I don't have anything really on page to show you. Um, and then, like, one week I'll be like, here's a piece. Here's the first draft, you know. So I never really fit into that um, that structure. You mm-hmm. know? It was really frustrating for me. It was A lot of my frustrations were taken out on the piece. Like, you may, okay. listening through it, it gets pretty heavy. Um and what you had mentioned earlier, this sort of downward, continual downward motion, um, skewed against sort of an upward motion, was kind of the formal idea of the piece. Like at a local level, a melodic level, there's a lot of descending motion that happens, mm-hmm. um, and different rates of descension that happen. And 
it's sort of skewed against a formal, continual ascension in the piece. So there's this continual tension between a localized descending music versus music that is o- overall ascending. Um, and not just in a sort of um, registral sense, but also in sort of a timbral sense. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the, I mean, think that the beginning of the piece is sort of the interior piano and the tam-tam hicks or this low grumbled hit um askewed against the end of the piece which is this like high glockenspiel and Mm -hmm. high piano filling you know fillery i usually like to operate in opposites like that and sort of let them play against each other in the uh, span of a piece so tell me about the climax because it seems like it seems like that's maybe where you took your frustration out. Honestly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you have I think it's I, I think it's the clarinet and the violin or is the flute in there too that mm-hmm. yeah, they're just hanging up there, you know. Yeah. And while the piano and percussion and obviously cello are just kind of banging away. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it see it kind of seems like uh in that lead up to the climax you know, the, it seems like he, maybe heterophony was something you were interested in melodically. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, in that sort of second section where the sort of really uh, filled filler is sort of like tremolo playing off of each other. It's definitely a lot of heterophony um, and in that section, too. Um, but it's it sort of comes to a head at that, you know, climax, like you're saying, you know, where we just sort of split the ensemble in half, you know, mm-hmm. between high and, you know, low or battery, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sustained versus, you know, sort of pulling them apart. And, uh, you're right. I mean, that's, and that piece was a lot of me taking out my frustration, you know, <laughs> and that happens sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, what is, what does the title mean? Yeah. Give up the ghost. It was like, I was, writing this in winter and I am a person who mildly has the seasonal affective disorder. Like I like fall and then winter is just the worst. I I hate it. Yeah. It sucks. It really sucks. I'm just perpetually depressed about things and moody and I'm just not fun to be around. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Glad we're doing this in summer. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) It's not that bad. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, but anyways, it's, the title Give Up the Ghost, I was, I guess, seeing the last little vestiges of living things around me, um, you know, and trees and, you know, the birds that were around and kind of finding what they can from these, you know, trees that are already dead and sort of pecking yeah. at them and stuff. And just, I don't know, it's one of those feelings that I'm, I'm probably not communicating that well right now, um, but just that feeling of, you know, just getting what you can and trying to you know hold fast mm-hmm. um that was that's my idea you know with the piece and that's kind of the loosely you know loose idea that i pushed forward okay um tell me tell me kind of about the the pitch language because mm. obviously this is the first piece we're listening to of yours that has definite pitch yeah yeah this piece um has two sort of um two sort of uh ideas in it uh one that's sort of a melodic idea that uh you can hear really clearly in the clarinet solo um that happens in the uh first part of the piece that's where it's truly exposed and kind of at the 
right that I plucked it out on piano. Mm-hmm. Um, in the be- very beginning of the piece, you're hearing it completely stretched out and, you know, and the, you know, the piccolo and the violin slowly condensing down into that clarinet uh, solo. Okay. So there's this sort of diminution that's happening gradually into that, you know, that theme. And that happens later in inverse um, at the climax, you know, where it stretches back out. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the harmonic language is, it's, it's something that I, I've, um, it's, this is one of the first pieces that I did this technique is that I will use a lot of uh, sort of pentachords, uh, you know, heptachords and stuff like that. But the way that I use them is I usually have two to three notes of elision that I keep throughout um, my, yeah, home, my harmonic changes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I usually try to play around with having uh, those pitches of elision between the different harmonies um, at a fixed uh, registral level, but I pass them in different instruments. And you can hear that in the second uh, section, the sort of very fast flowing section, mm-hmm. that you'll hear this sort of very rapid interchange of those um, a lot of those pitches. Awesome. Well, uh, who's playing this? Who are we going to hear? Yeah, we are going to hear um, a some of my great friends in all of the above, a chamber group in Cincinnati. I went to school with all these people. Uh, they're really close friends of mine. Um, it is Nave Graham on flute and piccolo, uh, Mikey Aburlu on uh, clarinet, uh, Walter Park on violin, Caitlin Chenault on cello, um, David Abraham on percussion, and Matthew Umphreys on piano. So this is Give Up the Ghost.
So let's talk about your last piece, and this is called Pictures of Stars. And this is this seems like it's pretty brand new. Yeah. Yeah, this was a piece that was just premiered earlier this year. Um, it's a friend of mine, um, clarinetist uh, Andrea Vos-Rashford. She is uh, really heavily uh, involved with a local concert, concert promotion group called Concert Nova. And... They have an educational initiative that they were doing this year where they t- commissioned a composer to write a piece of chamber music that is um, shown at different local high schools um, mm-hmm. in conjunction with a STEAM initiative. So the STEM plus. Oh, arts, okay. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah. So this one was, and this is something that Andrea came up with herself. Like she approached me with a program for this um, where she was very interested in supernovas and sort of dying stars. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, not being, a astro, you know, uh, not a scientist, but you know, it's fun <laughs> kind of looking into it. A lot of, uh, reading some Neil deGrasse, you know, and I was like, okay, gonna bone up on this. And then it just got to like, look, I have to boil it down into the basic transfer of things that are happening between these two bodies, you know, mm-hmm. and what, th- what book of, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's did you read? I, re- I thumbed through a little bit of, um, what was it, uh, something for people who don't have a lot of time. What was it? Uh, Ast- astrophysics for people who don't thank have a lot you. of time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great read. I, I plan yeah. to read the whole thing uh, pretty soon and then, you know, checked out his recent Cosmos series, which I got to catch that when it was so aired. So good. It was. So good. Rad. And I have a brand new TV, so, you know, <laughs> lights off and I'm like, I'm getting on. Anyways. <laughs> He has he has another book. I can't remember the title of it right now, but it's like it's basically he takes you from birth of the universe until the present in a really like I, I mean it's it's basically what Stephen Hawking did in mm-hmm. a brief history of time, but you know obviously a brief his- history of time came out in like the late seventies or eighties or something like that. So you know. We've had forty more years to to like <laughs> yeah, right? figure figure some pretty important shit out, um, but it was really good, really really good. I like I flew through that book. Anyway, he, continue. He has such a way of um, writing, you know. He's a good writer. Just yeah. communicate these so dense ideas, but in a way that you know. Anyways, that's t- tangential. So I was thumbing through all these things, and she approached me with this program, and she wanted two movements. One that was about um, matter and how a, um, no, one was uh, mass and then matter. Sorry. The first one is mass. So the idea is that a star starts accumulating too much mass from a, uh, a companion star mm-hmm. and eventually implodes on itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second one was matter to where it's sort of the same idea, but, you know, with accumulating too much matter. So I translated that into, you know, these two pieces, you know, going, okay, I have bass and I have clarinet. And this is the, the instrumentation is what she had, she uh, um, approached me with because the bassist, uh, Kate Alexandra, who's a really great bassist around here, good friend of mine for a while, um, they wanted to play together and there's not that much clarinet and bass music. No, no, there's not. (laughs) There's the Morton Gould piece and I was like, I, I remember... You know, as you do whenever you get an instrumentation going, okay, how many pieces are for this, you know, this ensemble? And I'm like, I kind of hate all these. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, That's there was, great. 
just one thing with me was like when you get the bass involved there was so many like here's the jazz moment and it's just kind of cringy yeah jesus yeah um but anyway Mm. so she assigned this instrumentation um gave me the program and um one thing i we got to mess around a little bit with is um is sort of site specific sort of spatialization of the performers Okay. Like you might be able to hear in the beginning of the piece, um, she is starting at the back of the concert hall, playing this sort of repeating module of uh, you know five notes, oh. while the bass is sort of playing on stage with these kind of really you know natural harmonics going up strings, and they're slowly accelerating as they're moving towards each other. Mm-hmm. And then after the second movement, it's that in inverse, but with the harmonics again, but the uh, clarinet is playing uh andrea playing these sort of timbral trills of the same melody but exiting off the stage okay so you have this sort of idea of orbits orbiting as well um and again going back to the steam initiative that they're you know going to different high schools with this i mean i think i thought it was a good idea to show it physically as well you know not just like Here's my pitch closet, and you see how it orbits around this tonic center and stuff? You know, so I didn't want to do that. Um, so I really tried to communicate the idea. <laughs> Sorry, you just, <laughs> you just brought me back to this this moment that I had. Uh, it was DMA orientation. Well, it was just orientation at Rice University mm. in, in, the, in the music school, and the the few DMAs they take every year there and it's just a bunch of master students and I'm sitting next to my best friend Steve and uh he like he obviously he's not my best I just met him just a couple days ago but <laughs> we we sit we sit down and we kind of look around and you know everyone's like talking about oh what are you playing for your audition blah oh th- this excerpt blah 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 and and we just look at each other and I'm like Nerds! <laughs> it just would have been so great if one of those, if one of those kids in that school, you know, oh here, kids, my uh, my pitch class sets are, are rotating around <laughs> each other. Nerd. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a self-reflective joke because then you realize, oh shit, I'm kind of a nerd too. I know, oh, right? <laughs> I know. We're all nerds. When I when I go yeah. to uh, when I go to a festival and you know they. Uh, it, they they always give you a lanyard with your name like a name tag or whatever mm, and yeah. i bring i used to bring those lanyards back and just give them to my daughter and and my wife was always like oh look it's something from the nerd festival it's a, <laughs> it's his nerd necklace <laughs> it's like no no you should make fun of daddy you, you really should yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's re- it's very nerdy i i admit it. <laughs> well you know i mean anyways so i had the uh I was really excited to go to one of these uh, presentations because mm-hmm. it's not just this piece. They also have, you know, some other people collaborating with this, um, the steam thing. Um, they have visual projections and like some arts, you know, hands on craft stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I got to sit in on um, Andrea and uh, Kate playing this piece for um, the, uh, you know, the high school orchestra. And, was cool is they played it once and then the director was like how about we jam like how about 
some of the other musicians play through some of these and they got to show off, you know, like, oh, here's how you play like a natural harmonic and like show this technique. You know, I wish I would have got a recording of that because that was really rad. That's um, cool. Yeah. So. What was your biggest challenge in writing this piece? Uh, getting clarinet and bass to make sense together, to speak together. Yeah, that's that's um, what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah, it's two instruments that do not speak together. Um, and uh, if you try I mean, to put... Yeah, when you when you're writing with bass, I, I I just find that that bass a lot of the times, and if it's if it's exposed as a equal member of an ensemble, it, it you have a lot of time actually making the parts equal, you know, yeah. because it just it's so rumbly. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there a is a lot. Do, yes, there's a lot it's... you can do with a bass. But when it, when you're in that duet situation, because I, mm. I a long time ago, I wrote a violin and double bass duet. And that was my biggest challenge was making the parts equal, making it mm. so that the bass actually had something and wasn't always just in a supporting role. Exactly. You know, I, I love this idea of, you know, when you're writing a piece of music that you're not giving these sort of auxiliary parts it's like oh yeah you're just gonna hold this note for a while and you're gonna be you know just in the back kind of padding i mean i get that yeah. it's sort of you know fundamental if you're working with orchestra or one ensemble and that's probably why my uh my uh, experience with those two ensembles has not been great because i want to write <laughs> all the parts um <laughs> yeah i found that out um anyways. <laughs> But getting them to, to speak together, to be level, you know, and to kind of have an interaction and not just this like, oh, the bass is going to play, you know, the fundamental pitches and the clarinet's going to do its thing on top of it. I mean, surely going to have moments like that, but you're going to want to flip that. And then the end of the first movement, you know, the bass kind of takes over into a melodic role while the clarinet falls into an accompanying mm-hmm. role. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's just that sort of inverse that I, I find found interesting. Cool. So let's hear it. Who are the performers again? Yes, this is Andrea Vos Rochefort playing clarinet and Kate Alexandra playing bit, uh, double bass. So this is Pictures of Stars.
we come to the final question. Uh, since you've been listening to some of these podcasts, you should be you should have anticipated this, I hope. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> but anyway, how did you come to music as something that you wanted to pursue for your life? That's always like the question, you know, why do you do this? I mean, obviously, I mean, you've heard this before. Yeah. You're not in it for the money. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you do it? I think it's something that I it started in um, in high school, you know, my freshman year. It's just like I don't know what to do with myself. I wasn't particularly good at anything, you know, I wasn't like a, you know, an academic in the making. I really wasn't, I certainly wasn't into sports, you know. Um, so it was trying to find that place, you know, to assert your identity and to be, you know, to express yourself. And after a while, you know, throughout high school, it became, instead of just something that I did, you know, it's like, yeah, I play guitar a little bit. It became like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. You know, mm-hmm. I'm playing guitar and I started to get my first gigs. Um, and then right out of high school, it was like, yeah, this is what I want to do is be a musician. And, you know, ended up going to college for it too, um, which, you know, still is great and all that. It's, um, I think I'm preaching to the choir here on that, that route. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty bumpy road. Um, but after a while, I you know I was like, Playing guitar is fun, but I like improvising. You know, I was really into jazz and improvising. And then once it starts hitting the paper and you're like, oh, actually, I kind of want to make my own stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then this idea of like making became so important to me, you know, right after the first, you know, exposure in music theory. You know, I just kind of took off and doing it. Uh, My undergrad, I mean, no one will ever see those pieces. Those pieces are being watched by top men um, at the moment. But uh, <laughs> nice reference. Yeah, you like that? Um, <laughs> but I mean, somewhere through, you know, undergrad and I took some time off in between undergrad and master's to go. I mean, is this really what I want to do? You know, mm-hmm. and I ended up studying independently with uh, a teacher who just started at USF, a uh, guy, Baljinder uh, Sekon. Uh, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. Really dynamite composer. Um, and I'm so glad that he took me in because what I had to show him was pitiful. But I mean, it was, I mean, it was great. You know, we ended up studying. So wait, did you, for your undergrad, you weren't uh, a composition major then? I ended up taking on a composition major because I was taking on the composition classes and my advisor oh, just okay. said, look, you're okay. just take it. You'll have to do a, a recital, but yeah, you okay. have the credits. Okay. Um, so after that, I mean, so Baljinder and saying, yeah, this is what I want to do, you know, I'm going to CCM and. Here I am. Here I am today. I am still writing, um, still going strong, um, still busy, you know, maybe a little too busy. I actually kind of overbooked myself this year. Um, next year, I am planning on actually taking a lot of time on pieces. Um, like, I'm booked up through the beginning of uh, 2019. And then after that, I'm only taking, like, three pieces for 2019. And that's it. One of them is already set. It's a percussion ensemble piece for Robert McCormick. Um, at USF. Cool. Um, yeah, we've been talking a lot. He's, he's the guy's so rad. If you ever met him, he's he's so cool. Um, he used to play in the uh, Harry Parch ensemble. Mmm, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, let's let's get weird. <laughs> 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 so I'm gonna be working on that at the beginning of 2019, and then I don't know what I'm working on after that, but I only plan to work on three pieces. Let's get weird. That's your title. <laughs> seriously do it oh i don't know but you know that'll be a tagline 
No, concerto for percussion ensemble, colon, let's get weird. Yes, yes, do it. Do it. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, before we go, can you tell people uh, where they can find more of your music online and connect with you on any of the social medias out there? Yeah, um, you can find my music on SoundCloud. Um, I think it's uh, Daniel Harrison 22. Um, Just type in Daniel Harrison, you'll find me. Uh, I also have a website. I don't have the URL memorized right now. Um, if that's what you're looking for, <laughs> but I have a, Wait, a website. Shouldn't it just be like danielharrison.com? <laughs> no, surprisingly that's taken. Oh, um, well, <laughs> you know, danielharrisonmusic.com, danielharrisoncomposer.com. Yeah. Um, what's your middle initial? Surprisingly, there was a lot of them that are taken. Um, wow. anyways, okay. You're, you're telling me, dude. Um, so find me on there. I'm also on Facebook pretty regularly. Um, Oh, and my website is up to date now. I had to get rid of, you know, an old website that was like from 2014. And uh, it is now up to date. But but we don't know how to find it. <laughs> yeah. I'm out there. You're <laughs> is it Googleable? I think so, yeah. I'm going to do it right now. Oh, you do it. Okay, hold up. I want to find it. Uh, I mean, it's not coming up in the first little bit hold here up, buddy hold up. hold up okay all right you ready it's yes. uh harrison dan two two um dot com i think it's the it's a wix site so it's the uh harrison dan two two dot wix site dot com okay yeah cool man well thanks for doing this well thank you so much for having me on i mean i'm really uh really flattered there's i was looking through the list of uh previous guests and i'm like Oof, got some heavy hitters on there <laughs> well now we have one more <laughs> oh shucks <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening as always if you want to find out more about adjective new music or lexical tones please go to our website www.adjectivenewmusic.com